Blog Talk Radio. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 
We praise you, Father God. We praise you so much, and we thank you. We thank you that we can trust you, even during the times when we're the most worried, the most anxious, uh, when we need you the most. And how frequently, at least for me anyway, is it that when the stress and the anxiety and the troubles of the day and the moment take over my emotions and I assume other people's emotions also have a way of taking over and we we don't act like we trust you and father we just praise you because that trust is such a precious precious thing to have because if we if we fear only you we have nothing else to fear if we trust only you we have nothing to worry about we know that there might be some bumpy roads we know that there might be some difficult times that we're going to go through but given the track record that all of us have ultimately throughout all of our lives with you it there's no reason that I can think of personally to imagine that anything but a good outcome would ultimately be the result. And the shame on me and shame on all of us, really, for those times when we allow our emotions to overcome us. While, you know, maybe we're waiting, maybe we're going through a very bumpy period, it's very hilly, there's a lot of uh, contention and, and drama and yelling and all kinds of things that are very unpleasant, that grieve the Holy Spirit, that injure and hurt and hinder our prayer lives, First Peter 3, 7. And and it just it, it's it's satanic and it distracts us and yanks us away from the presence of the open heaven and the holy fire that we pray for every day that we want to reside in. Father, we just praise you and thank you for for helping us to be able to see the opportunity that you have laid before us in all these things and hopefully make them something that is you know make this whole. Uh, experience of continuous and never-ending sanctification work to our favor so that over time we can grow and maybe even get to a place where, um, for example, Smith Wigglesworth was, where he even, you know, when things looked like they were falling apart and he's in a desperate situation, he just sat back with a smile on his face knowing that you, Father, were about to cause a miracle to happen. Something new is going to happen, that you, that you had taken charge and that there was another opportunity for him. And we need to all come to that place. We don't, we're not part, we're not Smith Wigglesworth. You know, we're not each each one of us are living different lives. Of course, you, our father, know this better than anyone. But we just we we have a, a harder and longer, bumpier learning experience because we're not dedicated to serving you twenty four by seven three sixty five. We have to do other things. We have to deal with much more uh, distract you know many more distractions. Particularly if we're working in in in, in uh, you know the day job and the day job is highly stressful. Uh, particularly during the third you know the unraveling of the third seal and the approach of World War III, we have, um, you know, the woke 
ism. We have the BLM type stuff going on that's all been contrived by the forces, the satanic crime syndicate and the global reset nonsense, the pandemic bioweapon attack against us. Some of us have lost loved ones. We, we, we see, um, you know, um, uh, drama where, you know, like, like, as you said in the scripture, Lord, um, praise your name. Um, uh, and I'm looking for you yeah, for I have come to set man against father, daughter against mother, daughter-in-law against mother-in-law and the man's enemies are those of his own household. And uh, in Matthew 10:35, and Father, you know, we're living and experiencing these things and everything is intensified. Even when we're going through what, you know, from a global end of the world standpoint, what appears to be a little bit of a break in, in uh, apocalyptic activity, it doesn't change the intensity level that's associated with um, the impact of the various trials and tribulations that we're being subject to. And Father, I, I, I hold up before you and I praise your name for this, but I admit openly that it's just something that I wonder about. Now, I think this is from the ESV version of the scripture, It said, but it could be another uh, translation. It says, that is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, and I delight in insults, and I delight in hardships, and I delight in persecutions, and I delight in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. 2 Corinthians 12.10. Father, I hold that scripture up before you, and I, I, I ask you in accordance with James chapter 1, verse 5, when if anyone seeks wisdom, let them ask God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it shall be given them. And Father, I just ask you to, to impart upon my heart, I believe that many of us feel in our hearts when we read that scripture, we feel that we understand the words and what the words indicate that when we're going through hardships, persecutions, difficulties, insults, all kinds of weaknesses, they, and boy, that's a, that's a, the weaknesses thing is really big because that can be physical as well as mental. But, and we clearly understand when it's at, where Paul says, when I am weak, then I am strong. We, you know, we know what that means, but I admit openly that I, when I'm going through persecutions and difficulties and hardships and insults and weaknesses and beatings at work and, and all kinds of awful things and threats for my job, like so many other people are going through and uh, drama in family drama and people saying incredibly mean things so hurtful, uh, you know, and then we have to instantly forgive and forget and pray for them. And the challenge is ever increasing. It doesn't seem to ever drop off or there's that hasn't seemed to me anyway that there's been any real respite uh, maybe just a slight Chris, uh, I don't know I don't know what that, it's not a crescendo it's uh, the opposite of that and I forget what it's called but it, it, it there seems to be a little bit of a lull but nevertheless it's all still there it's humming it, there's this constant hum of impending doom that encircles us continuously and to be able to relate to the concept of becoming stronger as a result of that is not natural not to me it's not natural it, it i think the nat more natural response is to feel beaten down to feel weakened 
to feel in tears, to feel uh, desperate, anxious, depressed. A lot of other emotions come to mind, but what? But to be able to derive from those those negative, fleshy responses, the, this concept that we are stronger. The only thing that I can figure is that it means that because we are going through a period of uh, we'll just call them beatings, um, difficulties, uh, trials, tribulations, whatever, that. It draws us into you for the feeling of peace and comfort that we have when we're residing in the secret place of the Most High. And if that be the, what this is referring to, then I completely understand and I praise you for it. And I thank you for revealing that. Father, I also want to say a special word of thanks to every single person that has listened, participated, whether it was years ago, whether it's currently today, whether it's tomorrow, that has lifted me up even for a moment in prayer because I have a, what appears to be a praise report, but I'm not, I'm just, I'm, and I will share it because that's the right thing to do and, 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 a not, and certainly an obligation as part of the body of Christ. Um, and I want to thank you, Father, in front of everybody for this, but I don't, also don't want to count my chickens before they're hatched because I know how you operate, and I know that you're a very last-minute Father, that you're constantly testing our resolve, you're constantly testing our faith, the Lord God tests the righteous, and sometimes the answer is no. And uh, But I do want to thank you, Father, because you realize that right now, in January of 2023, my company is getting ready to have a massive reorganization and another very large reduction in force, a layoff. And a lot of people are going to be getting demoted. A lot of people's jobs are going to be changing. They're going to be changing to things that they don't want to do and have extremely high levels of risk associated with their ability to even keep their job. So, Father, as you know, this causes um, trials, tribulation, strife, concern, anxiety, bouts of depression. Um, uh, and, and I just wanted to say thank you for hearing me. Thank you for hearing my pray, prayers. Thank you for hearing the prayers of those who care enough to mention me in, in prayer over my job, understanding that my passion is to serve you and to help others in any way that I possibly can, it, not only now, but in the days ahead as things grow ever increasing uh, and and ever approaching closer to the barley harvest. But I want to just say publicly, Father, I'm giving you all the praise that in the midst of my company um, preparing for one of the most impactful layoffs uh, in its history and reorg, so it's not just a matter of saying bye to people that I've worked with for years and years and years. Many are very close friends. But it's also combined with a total restructuring where all everyone's jobs are different, the way the company operates is different, and quite frankly, uh, not normal. Um, it's a very abnormal model that would make anyone extremely 
uncomfortable to work uh, there. And 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 I, Father, I want to say thank you for the peace that you gave me in the interim, and that I still carry with me because of the very powerful woman who decided she liked me and um, decided that she wanted to make me some sort of leader over a specific discipline within the company, but also, Father, the concerns that go with that, the constant travel Monday through Friday, the disruption of life, the interruptions of the radio shows, the impact is, is immeasurable. Potentially, potentially immeasurable and highly likely, um, and that, and as you know, Father, that has been a huge concern of mine, and one of the reasons why I've continuously thrown out prayer fleeces over my job because of how bizarre it is and almost impossible to describe it. You can't; it's too weird, too unusual. People, if someone said, "What's got you troubled?" I couldn't articulate it. It's just too darn complex. And I just praise you, Father, for giving me at least a little bit of peace, knowing that a powerful individual in the company took a liking to me and slated me for a different position outside of my the department I've been with for the last eleven years. That was a little, that gave me a little bit of comfort, Father, and I just wanted to say thank you for that. Even though uh, my spite, you know, my, my, every sense of my body, every bit of experience is warning and screaming at me that it's going to turn my life upside down. But nevertheless, still an income and still potentially the ability to do a program, a radio show and serve you, praise your name. But then, Father, for this second phase of maybe an answer to the prayers, which is, and I praise you for this, Father, for approximately October of last year, when the last big layoff occurred, and a person who I had worked with got a job for a another company up in the Virginia area. And for some reason, she had I, – I, we always got along well, but I just never imagined that she would make it her personal um, goal in life okay, to recruit me to come and work for the company that she's currently working with today. And of course, this went on for, for months and months, all throughout the holidays. And I finally actually ended up having an interview with um, a hiring manager, a senior leader of that company today that went extremely well. And he said he wants to get me in front of one of the vice presidents of the company, which I suspect is probably because he understands after our hour plus conversation, the, the amount of experience I have. which is a good thing. That's a good thing, praise God, because it might end up resulting in a bit more of a challenging position, which will be, it'll make life more interesting. And the stress will go way down. The predictability, I won't have to worry about constant layoffs, constant reorganizations, constant threats, constant this, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I just praise you for that, Father. But at the same time, Father, in the name of Jesus, 
for anyone who would be kind enough to join me in this one little prayer that could have a great impact. Your will be done. If you don't want me to move or do anything and just stay put, so be it. If you want me to continue to deal with what I've been dealing with for the last couple of years, three, four years, so be it. You see the beginning from the end and I don't. I'm a reactive human and I'm trying my best and I don't know what's right for me. Only you do. Only you do. And I ask you, Father, no matter what, don't let me make a mistake. I want to do what you want me to do. And you know the only thing I want to do for you is serve you. That is all. Your will be done. I praise your name. So thank you, Jesus. Everybody out there, I just wanted to go ahead and share that praise report. You can call it a praise report, but we really don't know what the end result is, so we don't even know. As a matter of fact, our Heavenly Father's answer may have already been known. I wouldn't even know it. I'd be unaware of it. But it is suspicious, I, I you know, uh, supernaturally suspicious that when the greatest life-changing event of the last 12 years of my life that could grow... Uh, very gravely affect my ability to serve God uh, is now facing me within less than 14 days. It's fascinating that uh, timing-wise that I would end up talking to another organization that um, has virtually none of the, for lack of a better term, hyper-stress that I have at my current position. Excuse me. I still got a little bit of a cough, by the way. That's another praise report. So the Lord is healing me. When I talk on the radio show or if I talk for any length of time at all, I'll cough occasionally. But it's not as bad as it used to be. It was a lot worse a week ago. Um, The fatigue is still there. Um, You know, like... When I went to take a quick nap before the radio show tonight, I, I could have easily just got dozed right off and slept for hours. Um, that's not normal, and I don't normally do that or feel that way. So I still have some, you know, for lack of a better term, a hanger-oner, you know, fatigue and a little bit of a cough. But that's about it. Um, I'm just about totally healed. Praise God for that. Um, what a warning. You know, for somebody who has not been sick in 15 years, and I know that that sounds like a stretch, uh, you know, like I'm stretching the story a little bit, but it's actually quite true. It's, it's, it's a miracle. Uh, I've, you know, just don't get sick. Yeah, I don't get a cold. Every time I feel the tiniest little sneeze, I go over and take a tablespoon of uh, of uh, colloidal silver, and I and do it for three days straight, and um, it just goes away. And it's been like that for 15 years. So, um, it, you know, for me to uh, have let my guard down over the holidays and gotten body slammed by whatever, you know, and I know this isn't COVID. It's just a stronger. Version. I don't want to use the term variant either because that's been used to death by the people who are trying to kill us. But um, uh, whatever you want to call it, a stronger version of the flu and uh, you know the cold and flu, severe cold and flu, uh, and it was a wake up call. Praise God, it was a wake up call. And and I, you know, if if so many of the believers that emailed me in regard to it are correct. 
and that God is allowing a lot of us to get um, this extra strong flu. Because the longer, believe it or not, the longer something hangs on, the harder your body has to fight to get rid of it, the stronger your immune system becomes. So while you're sitting there shaking your fist at the sky going, you know, I'm not talking about at God, but you're just frustrated and going, oh, man, when is this thing going to, when am I going to get rid of this thing? Um, the reality of what's happening inside your body is it's fighting the long fight. That extra fatigue, the extra symptoms, the length of time that those extra symptoms hang on, the more those white blood cells have to multiply in order to go attack different things that are happening, the viral world inside your body, all that stuff dragging on week after week after week after week makes your body's immune system that much stronger. So when you get over something quickly, a lot of people would make the mistake of saying, oh, my immune system's working really great, which may be true, but it isn't going to get any stronger. It's just that it's working well, and it is what it is. What's a definite fact, biologically speaking, is that if you have any kind of a flu, virus, cold, whatever, call it what you will, the longer it drags on, the more hard your body has to work at getting rid of all of the symptoms until you're back 100% normal. The longer that drags on, the stronger your immune system becomes, the more capable it becomes. It be, it, 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 and that is paramount. Now, does that mean that if you haven't gotten sick that you're going to catch something really evil down the road and be ill-prepared for it, highly unlikely. I mean, if you're walking and in, in, in you are in the hands of Jesus and you are in the hands of our Father as we all ought to be as we reside in the secret place of the Most High, even when I feel sick, real sick, and there's been a lot of those days where I just didn't have the energy to go through my whole uh, prayer routine that takes, you know, about 40 minutes in the morning, you know, where I take communion and, and pray for, like we do sometimes on the show here, for the different continents and, you know, portions of the world and all that. I still prayed. You know, I still bunched up under a blanket and I prayed intensely, um, regardless, no matter what, even when I was at my weakest. Praise God. So I um, wonderful testimonies. They are the testimonies are a little bit early, um, but I'm definitely getting better. And it is possible that those of us who have caught this crud. In our bodies, we're forced to work through it, fight through it. Um, it may be that God is protecting us and strengthening our immune system for a reason. And um, that reason could be one of any, maybe, because God sees the beginning from the end. He knows if you're going to go to a daycare center and become infected in the future by something. He knows that, you, you know, if like in my situation, flying, traveling, God knows that 
I I mean I I already I can't mention the name of the company, but I've already been uh, assigned to a job in the next several weeks to where I'm going to have to fly out west again. Another one of those long, tedious, agonizing, back-breaking, you know, joyous, happy <laughs> five-hour flights out west, and then the five-hour flight return with lots of you know, snowstorms and things like that causing this air connecting flight and all that kind of fun stuff. Praise God. But you know what? It's all part of the walk. It's all part, you know, and I'm just, I wanted to say, praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you to everybody who is so much as even mentioned me by name. I pray, God, I pray in tears fervently for a tenfold anointing for anyone who takes the time to do that, because it's usually the person behind the microphone who's prayed for the least. That's just usually how it works. Um, for some reason, we get this idea in our head, I'm guilty as charged. I've been in many churches. I've had really a lot of good churches over the years going back into the 70s and such. And um, it's true. You know, the person who's at the pulpit just seems to have it all together. You know, they just seem like they're the last person in the earth that needs any prayer. But the reality is the person that's standing behind the pulpit is the person who needs the most prayer of anybody in the church. And and, and it's, uh, you know, in most cases, because they're the ones that are, you know, make, you know, they're, it's like, it's like, you know, the Satan is going to attack, you know, the leader of the group. You know, if you're, if you're the sponsor of a Bible study, Satan's going after you because you're the one who's, you know, putting together the Ritz crackers and getting everybody to come over and read Bible verses. And if you're hosting that, then you're the target. So whoever's, you know, whether it's opening up your home for a Bible study, whether it's, um, you know, ministering to people and praying with people over the phone, whatever it is that you're doing for the Lord, if you're, if you're stepping up, and you're helping others through through ministering to them in any in any capacity at all you have a big target on your back remember the last will be first and the first will be last it's not about the size of your microphone it's not about the size of your congregation it has nothing to do with that 13 people changed the entire world here we are well over 2000 years later and they're still completely turning the world upside down through us praise god Thank you, Jesus. And also, one one last little thing. I'm still configuring my phone because it got the other one got smashed, and uh, I haven't for the prayer visual. I haven't been able to do that little thing that I like to do. Let me see if I can find the app. It probably doesn't even exist anymore. Let me see here. Jewish, Jewish calendar. C A L E N D A R. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. Oh, there it is. Praise God. Cool. That's awesome. I hope that's the right one. It looks like the right one. I hope it is. If it isn't, then I'll... It'll just be a big old fail. <laughs> Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. I get plenty of those every day. I'd say I I, I have an abundance, an overabundance of, of fails every day. So nothing new there. So let me go ahead and see what happens when I open it. Ah, fiddle-faddle. It's not... It's not the one. Oh, well. All right. So I'm just going to let this uh, drop you know, drop off the list for right now, and maybe I can figure something out later. But I had an, an app that doesn't appear to be around anymore. Or 
Um, it, it is out there, but I just haven't found it. I don't know. But that app is the one where, which I would use on every prayer vigil where I would say tonight is, you know, November the blank of 2022, uh, the 15th of, or, you know, the 15th of Tishri, you know, seven, you know, 5778, you know, I'd give the Jewish calendar, you know, Hebrew, you know, date and all that. Well, and then, of course, the next, you know, Jewish holiday, et cetera, et cetera, or the Hebrew holiday or whatever you want to, however you want to refer to it. Well, I don't have that app anymore. So I have to go out and hunt it down or something similar to it to be able to do that. So unfortunately, that'll just have to be an omission from the prayer vigil until I find a suitable substitute. Praise God. Because I don't know. Now, I could look it up. Thank you, Jesus. And I'll try to do that real quick here, because why not, right? Um, So the Hebrew date. I'm just going to type in Hebrew date and see what it says. Okay, this is, I'm not going to mention what I'm looking at right now, because if I do, there are people out there that will be like, you shouldn't look at that calendar. That's operated by the blankety blank organization, and they're a bunch of mystical Jews, and yeah, 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 I don't know, whatever. Get over it. Anyway, so um, let's see here. Um, so today is Friday, January the 6th which I'm trying to focus my eyes on. There it is. Saturday, January the 6th, which would be the 19th of Tevet, 5778. Hallelujah. Well, there. Pulled it off with a little website. Thank you, Jesus. And tonight, is it is now 7.33 p.m. on the east coast of well, where are we? I don't know where you are. Well, I, know, I know somebody from France is probably listening with their two daughters. Somebody from Spain and Mauritius, or I'm sorry, uh, Majorca is uh, possibly listening. Maybe even Shamil over in Belgium. God bless you. Uh, Gary, possibly in Indonesia. God bless you. Uh, Karen Marslin from uh, Australia. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. I praise God. We I would never really want to do this program ever. I'm not talking about the prayer vigil. I'm talking about tribulation now for the last 12 years. And yes, it is approaching the 12th year um, that. If if I was just talking to people in the United States, not, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's not that I don't see value in that. I certainly do. Any contribution to the kingdom is extremely important. But I love, I love being part of the body of Christ. I love being able to be a part of that, to commune with it, to have perspectives, feelings, friendships, uh, news reports of what it's like, what's happening in Australia, in Sydney. I want to know how people feel. I want to be part of the body of Christ in all 243 countries plus island nations because that is who the body of Christ is. Most of American churches are very myopic. They care about only themselves Oh, they might sponsor a missionary group or whatever, but that's about the extent of it. They could give, you know, they really don't spend, they don't understand 
Christianity as the body of Christ. That's one of the number one reasons why the American Babylonian Christian seems to think it's okay to kill and shoot their way into heaven, which is absolutely antichrist as you could possibly be. But they live in a world of a 50-mile radius around their house, and that's what, you know, that's who they are. They're American Christians, and they have a Second Amendment. They have. They don't give a rip about the fact that you know there are gazillions of countries out there. I don't know what the magical number is, but there's many, 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 many countries out there that are um, that just you you can't just walk into a gun shop and buy a gun. It's legal. Personal gun ownership is not allowed. And God has blessed those countries because they can't easily get a hold of a gun. So they're not tempted to do something they would gravely regret if they even make it at all. Because you don't shoot your way in heaven, period, end of story. All right, praise God, thank you, Jesus. We are to be like Jesus, and we are to carry our cross to our death like Jesus, exactly as the Bible says. But anybody who says that they can imagine Jesus standing there with a gun in his hand, shooting people dead, has no idea what it is like to be a Christian. And they definitely, definitely do not know the Lord Jesus at all. They can claim it lip service-wise, but they will definitely, I I believe from the very bottom of my heart, they will be in the line that says, but Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not uh, cast out demons in your name? And Jesus is going to say, be gone from me, doer of lawlessness. I have not known you. Why in the world would, what does that mean? What does it mean in John 16, 2, where um, uh, it says, and there will come a time, by the way, this is uh, one of those cyclical prophetic words that Jesus, a lot of the prophetic words in the Bible are cyclical, Ecclesiastes 1, 9. But, it, you know, uh, there, you know um, they will kick you out of the synagogues. Yes, there will come a time that they kill you with a gun. Nowadays, anyways, and think that they are doing God a service, but they do this because they do not know, know the Father nor me. Well, what is it about the Father and Jesus that they don't know about? Love. Power. Who we are in Christ. They might have 80% of it right, but the scripture is very clear. It says there's a way that seems right to a man that leads to death. And it's not talking about a hospital bed. So, it, you know, does, does that translate in them going to hell? I don't know. You know, what, what does it translate into? Does it translate into a very, very severe loss of rewards in heaven? At a minimum, at a minimum, but I'm reasonably sure that if the last couple of things you did before you died was murdered a bunch of people because out of fear, because God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, in the name of Jesus, and of love, because we're supposed to love our neighbors as ourselves, we're supposed to turn the other cheek, 
and self-control. Praise God. It says nothing about being afraid. Perfect love cast out all fear. If you're pulling the trigger of a gun, you're not doing it because you're not. It isn't. A, you're, you're scared. You're not trusting God. What you've done is you put your trust in earthly weapons. And, and when you do that, you are forfeiting your supernatural protection. The fastest way to watch your family get raped is to go buy a gun to protect them if you're a Christian. I'm sorry to say that, but I'm going to let you know that because it's a fact. The fastest way to watch a roving, roving gang of murderous rapists, which there are going to be many of, probably not too far into the future. If you want them to walk right past your house, and you don't want any weapons, you don't even want pepper spray in that house. The Lord told me to get rid of my pepper spray. I thought to myself, well, I could just disable them and then I can save their soul. No, that's not how it works. That's absolutely asinine. If I would go out and use pepper spray in a, in a crowd of rapists and murderers and killers, they would beat me to death. That's exactly how it would go down. Then they would go into my house, but fortunately I don't have anybody to rape inside my house. But if there was somebody, they would go in and do it. And, and, and you've opened up a satanic portal by virtue of not trusting Jesus, by not knowing who you are in Jesus Christ, by not understanding the power that you were given in the name of Jesus, by not understanding that if you said, simply said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do, you would have disarmed all of the demons that were controlling the people that were trying to kill you, and they would have moved on. And if you were on your knees in prayer, as you ought to have been, with no weapons, no stun guns, no tasers, no pepper spray, and certainly no bullets, if you had been truly the Christian that with the power, the authority, and the love of your neighbor that you were commanded to have by reading your Bible and knowing Jesus as your first love, and you were on your knees, those people would have walked right past your house. They wouldn't even have seen it there. They'd go over to the other house or another house or another house. I've got testimonies on, on this, uh, testimonies from Charles Spurgeon. He was actually at the – there was a, a – you can look it up on the Internet. It's called the Irish Wars. That's what it was called, the Irish Wars. And he was taken on a tour after the war machine moved through a particular series of Irish villages. And during that tour, he happened upon, you know, with his, with his sput, friend of his that was taking him on the tour and showing him around. Um, this is the actual D, Charles Spurgeon. Um, he, he, they were roving, you know, roaming across the countryside, over hill, over dale, that kind of thing, and they came upon this big village of homes. And the guy that was giving him the tour said, this is a village of Quakers. And Charles Spurgeon said, wow, look at this village. Because he had had this, they had been walking evidently for miles, and they had seen the destruction, the scorched earth, uh, the buildings that were burned to the ground. One village after another leveled, another village after another leveled. He saw the destruction, and he comes upon this village of Quakers, 
and he sees the homes are all intact. They're beautiful. In fact, just like some of the verses out of Habakkuk, it taught, he, he took note of the fact that many of the trees, the fruit trees that were growing in the villages, were bent over with an abundance of fruit. That's straight out of Habakkuk. He commented on that. And then he asked the question of all questions. What happened to those two houses down there? He's still in the Quaker village, and he sees a couple of houses down the ways that are destroyed. And the man giving the tour said, those were fellow brethren who had guns in their house. And Charles Spurgeon said, what an amazing testimony. How much power do we have when we're willing to turn the other cheek? The very fact that they kept weapons in their house opened up the opportunity for the devil to make them a target their houses were utterly destroyed. I can't even imagine what happened to the young women that were probably living there. Because soldiers who are in a war situation, moving in a scorched earth uh, formation across the land, don't tend to be awful friendly to the people in the houses. problem is it's full gospel and Christians don't do that as a general rule the ones that will make the first fruits barley harvest <clears throat> the ones that will be chosen by Jesus as the first group to leave that will ultimately rule and reign at the highest level of the kingdom hierarchy available those will be the ones who truly understand the love of Jesus, the love of our Father, and operate in that power. And would never think of so much as harming anything. Ever. So, anyway, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. So, anyway, on that note, it is now 7.46 p.m. on the East Coast of the United States of Babylon the Great. And tonight, we light the Sabbath candles. I can see that my tea candles are very low, so I don't know how long they'll last. But I'm lighting three, one for the Father, one for the Son. Thank you, Jesus. And one for the Holy Spirit. Praise you, Father. Thank you, Lord. All right. The Hebrew Kiddush. Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melech haolam Borei peri hagafen Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melech haolam Asher kitshanu b'mitzvotav v'ratzavanu Vishabat kodsho beyavah uvratzon hinchilanu 
Zikaron le mase vereshit. Ki huyom techila le mikrae kodesh. Zechelitziat mitzrayim. Kivanu vacharta veotanu kidashta mikol hamim veshabat kodshecha beava uvratzon inchaltanu. Baruch Adonai Mekadesh HaShabbat. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, I made a mistake. <laughs> I looked at the wrong part of this very confusing calendar that seems to have no rhyme or reason for the order or the entries. It turns out that it is the 13th of Tevet, 5783. All right. So, um, I don't know. Just blame it on pure, unadulterated ignorance. <laughs> which, which, by the way, I'm the grand poob of. <laughs> Praise Jesus. All right. Thank you, Father. Arise, my love, my beautiful companion, and run with me to the higher place, for now is the time to arise and come away with me. For you were my dove, hidden in split-open rock. It was I who took you and hid you up high in the secret stairway of the sky. Let me see your radiant face and hear your sweet voice. How beautiful your eyes are in worship, and lovely your voices in prayer. You must catch those troubling foxes, those sly little foxes that hinder our relationship. For they raid our budding vineyard of love to ruin what I've planted within you. Will you catch them and remove them for me? We will do it together.
have no blossoms. There are no grapes on the vines. Even though the olive crop has failed and the fields lie empty and barren. Even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty. Yet, We will rejoice in the Lord. Hallelujah. We will be joyful in the God of our salvation. Habakkuk 3, verse 7. Hallelujah. 1 Samuel 12, 23. Moreover. I love this one. This is the one. This is one we should commit. We we need to put this one on a uh, little laminated card and carry it around with us. Moreover, as for me. Far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. 
1 Samuel 12, 23. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Speaking of Charles Spurgeon, this is from Spurgeon's... Oh, you know what? No, and I feel like... No, hold on a second. I'm going to grab another one. Hold on. Going to have to retape it to its little home. Okay. Here. I'm going to turn on the... Okay. Praise God. So on... So I'll get, I'll get the like mini testimony that goes along with it. So I was all depressed, which, by the way, is a normal part of my normal. <laughs> that's my modus operandi, right? You know. Um, but anyway, um, at this, you know, I was re- I was pretty depressed. You know, it, it's it's hard. I think a lot of us have a a proclivity uh, tendency, if you will, to get depressed over things, especially in the days that we live in today. You know, today it's it's hard. You know, you you may have everything going just fine for you and your family's treating you good and your work is pretty cool and everybody's nice and there's, you know, no threats of layoffs and, you know, it's all good. But, you know, there could be, you know, you just get depressed because you have all this Sodom and Gomorrah stuff being shoved in your face all day long. You can't seem to get away from it. That, that, even that can be depressing. Um, but anyway, I was going through one of my, I'm not saying this is, this was a good thing, but you know, even, um, Elijah went through a state of depression in first Kings 19 verse four, where it says, and he he requested himself that he might die. So he got on his knees before the Lord and he asked our heavenly father if he would take him home. Now it sounds terse, you know, when you when it, when you read it, him, you know, he, he requested that he could die, but in reality, what he was really doing was asking the father, asking our father, hey, would it be okay if I come home now? You know, um, but nevertheless, you know, you could say six of one, half dozen of another, but it, it, so I I was going through a period of time. There's nothing I'm not going to sit here and make up a bunch of excuses. We're all going through whatever it is we're going through and I am unaware of anybody. Um I'm not saying they're not out there and I praise God for every one of them who are out there because the scripture says we are to rejoice with those who rejo- you know who, who are rejoicing and weep with those who weep, you know. And to, essentially what that means is to empathize and be part of that body. And truly love that person, because when you love somebody as yourself, then you feel their pain, or you feel their happiness, and you're legitimately happy for them. You're not sitting there secretly saying to yourself, how come I never get that? You know, you're actually genuinely, uniquely happy for them that they're receiving that wonderful blessing. You might, it might occur to you that, you that you've been praying for the same thing for the last year, but, you know, you, true love will overcome that momentary slip in the flesh, and you'll be truly happy for that individual. But becoming, you know, there, there's tons and tons of scriptures about, you know, not being anxious, not worrying about things, you know, all that kind of stuff. It doesn't say that, you know, having anxiety is demonic anywhere in the Bible, by the way, just so you know. 
Um, so anyway, um, and of course, Jesus is always admonishing us and stuff, like even with this one sign I have up here in the office. It says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Then, 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 then out comes the mystery. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. John fourteen twenty seven. So you see how that's bundled up? That scripture's it's so the the core the core focus topic of that scripture is that Jesus gives us peace. But it's bundled up in a whole bunch of other stuff. One of the things that it's bundled up with is that the peace that I you know that Jesus gives us essentially has nothing to do with the world. So all the things that you have going on in your life that you believe would, that would give you peace, if I could only get over this hump, if I could only not have to deal with this, if I could only not have to go to work tomorrow and deal with, you know, the layoffs or whatever, whatever it is. What Jesus is saying is that his peace transcends all that, all that stuff. All that, um, uh, you know, all the weaknesses, the insults, the hardships, the persecutions, the difficulties. His peace transcends that. Okay? That's important to derive from the interpretation of that scripture because there isn't, scriptures just, they're not, never face value. Never. And our Father is quid pro quo. There's always a condition that must be met in order for that scripture to belong to you. That's why it's a shame and saddens me, not for any bad reasons. It just makes me sad that people don't understand these things because it makes them very vulnerable when they say things like, uh, you know, um, uh, I, you know, um, you know, we, we all need to pray Psalm 91 or whatever, you know, or, or I'm, I'm going to, you know, um, you know, there's just so many mis- misunderstandings, and it, everything's wrapped. There's all, always conditions. Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled, because I'm giving you my peace, my special peace. has nothing to do with all the noise and nonsense and ugly and garbage and nasty, nasty, filthy, filthy that you have to put up with every day. It has nothing to do with that. My peace is special. It's different. It comes from a different place, and it has to do with different stuff. Keep your mind stayed on things above and not on things of this world. Colossians 3, uh, verse 2 and 3. Praise God. Keep your mind stayed, focused on things in heaven. That's why I believe we all ought to have at least two or three books. Uh, You know, the the book Intramuros, just like it's spelled, I-N-T-R-A-M-U-R-O-S, Intramuros, My Dream of Heaven, by Rebecca Springer, is free on the Internet. You just type My Dream of Heaven, Rebecca Springer, PDF, PDF and hit enter. Now they sell it on Amazon if you want to buy, you know, a bound copy, but you can get the PDF version for free out on the internet and just read it. It's amazing. I don't agree with every little thing that she that, that she dreamt about in heaven, but the majority, I'd say the high 90 percentile of it seems accurate. But there were a couple things that she said that she saw and she t- said why she saw them and I 
I knew they weren't exactly right, but that's okay. Praise God. Nobody gets it a hundred percent right, do we? Not none. So anyway, I'm 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 bummed. I got as as much as any other Christian on the earth, with the exception of probably those who are being physically beaten. Beaten. I've got as many reasons as I can think of as probably anybody to be depressed. Now, I, you know, I'm not going to sit here and list all the reasons, but I can tell you there's nothing fun about being celibate for like 10 years and all this other stuff and having God tell you that you're going to spend the rest of your life alone and, you know, and then having a travel job and who's going to take care of your dogs. And when you don't have any members of your family and they're all living 1,300 miles north of here, uh, you know, it, it, you know, the solitude, it's like um, Guantanamo Bay stuff. <laughs> okay, so um, you know th- that's just one teeny weeny little part of it all, you know. And then you throw and mix all the other stuff in there together, and there's lots to be depressed about. <coughs> Everybody's got their own pile of chunks of depression that they have to deal with. Praise God, and it comes from so many different directions. So I was bummed out, and um, and. And 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 I and I said, look, you know, if Elijah could ask the Lord to take him home, then why can't I? And um, and I knew I knew it wasn't a sin because Elijah didn't sin when he did it. So I figured, why not? Because I don't want to be here no more. I mean, quite frankly. I mean, it's not that I don't want to do what Jesus wants me to do, but the problem is none of us really knows at any given time. We can assume through the Scripture what the Lord wants us to do because that's our instruction manual. But you never know when you've fulfilled. You know, the moment that God takes you home, the Scripture says, blessed in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Um, So you never know before you're taken home you know, it's not like you have, like, say if God takes you home at 3 o'clock a.m. in the morning on a Wednesday, okay? You, It's not like, you know, an angel, like, shows up in your room, like, you know, five minutes before you're going to depart and says, Oh, you know, Sister Sally, beloved of God, I'm just here to tell you that we're, that God is going to take you home tonight in five minutes. It doesn't work like that. So it's not like Elijah or any of us, not me, not Elijah, not you, not any other believer on the face of the earth has any idea when God's going to bring us home. Could be tonight. I might not even finish this program. So I figure, heck, why not, you know, I've I, look, I, I you know, it's not like I've been sitting on my hands for the last 11 years. Um, you know, and and I thought and I it's just miserable. It's a miserable, yucky way to have to live your life. You know, the you know, you know, being a prisoner of Christ. I don't even get to walk around and go to different churches and fellowship with people uh and and all that like Paul did, you know. I, I it's the extent of my life is walking from my bedroom you know, into the office and then maybe doing a radio show. But uh, it's two rooms in my house. That's it. With the exception of, you know, bio breaks and things, but that's it. You know, and, you know, yes, admittedly, like if I get really hungry, I'll run downstairs and stuff a can of tuna in my 
down my throat, whatever, because I'm always trying to lose weight. But anyway, uh, especially because when you fly, <laughs> you don't want to be 30 pounds overweight or whatever when you're flying in a plane. It is miserable. It means all the difference in the world is level of comfort. But praise God. So I'm, I'm, I'm just going through one of my bouts of depression. Got every reason in the world to want to go home as soon as possible. And I, and no kidding, I woke up and I came into my office, and by coincidence, I had my PC study Bible up on the screen. It was already up and running and displaying right in front of my eyes. And it opens with Charles Spurgeon's morning and evening devotional. That's just how it was designed. That's how it was programmed. I think you can change it, but that's the default. <clears throat> and I had just, you know, I just gone through all of my prayers. I prayed for all of the listeners of the program, as I always do, and a whole bunch of people that have some special problems, which I always do. And myself, of course, physician, heal thyself, so that you always want to spend, you know, and then spiritual warfare, you know, because if you don't, you're in trouble. You might not think so, but it'll happen. But anyway, I came in, and there it was, staring me in the face, May 19th, p.m., which means it's the evening devotional for May 19th. And I, I, You may have heard this already, but boy, it's so good that I just, everybody, I, I, we, we, I think it's something we ought to read like once a month, just to remind ourselves. And I'll read it. I'll start out right now. May 19th p.m. And he requested for himself that he might die. First Kings 19, verse 4. Elijah. Spurgeon writes, it was, re it was a remarkable thing that the man who is never to die, for whom God had ordained an infinitely better lot, the man who should be carried to heaven in a chariot of fire. Don't get me going on that one and be translated that he should not see death, should thus pray, let me die, I am no better than my father's. We have here a memorable, memorable proof that God does not always answer prayer in kind. Though he always does in effect, he gave Elias something better than that which he asked for, and thus really heard and answered him. Strange was it that the lion-hearted Elijah should be so depressed by Jezebel's threat as to ask to die. And blessedly kind was it on the part of our Heavenly Father that he did not take his despondent servant at his word. There is a limit to the doctrine of the prayer of faith. Wow. Now, that is a very strong statement, by the way. There is a limit to the doctrine of the prayer of faith. So basically, translated from preacher ease to, hey, I'm sitting across the, you know, I'm sitting across across the, the table from you at the wing house, you know, having a Mick Ultra and, and, and some, some wings. Um what this is really saying when it says there's a limit to the doctrine of, of the prayer of faith, what this is saying is, what, what, what uh, Charles Spurgeon is saying here is he's saying that 
when Jesus said, you know, that we should talk to the mountain, and if we have sufficient faith, the faith of a mustard seed, be thou cast into the sea, and it shall be cast into the sea. What Spurgeon is saying here is there's a limit. No matter how much faith you have, you can have, he's basically saying you can have faith that fills up 50 bottles full of mustard seeds, and there are going to be circumstances where it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't matter. You're not going to get what you ask for. See, the, see, when you read the scripture around Jesus, it taught where he says, talk to the mountain, faith of a mustard seed, be, you know, be thou cast into the sea, to try to use an example for us to understand with enough faith we can move mountains. Quite frankly, I'd be happy if I could get a salt, salt shaker to kind of like salt my scrambled eggs in the morning. But, I, you know, but, you know, we are the power of our prayer and our faith actually transcends this realm. And it is incredibly powerful. But we have to understand that the workings that we are causing to happen are invisible to us. And they're not invisible to the, the, the entities that are being affected by the prayers, by any stretch. They're in phenomenally powerful. And for the people that are getting dreams and visions in the middle of the night of Jesus standing there calling them by name, they're having their entire eternities changed on account of your prayers. If we don't continue to pray on, pray through, pray on, pray through, praise through, praise, 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 praise through, praise, continuously. Continuously praise and pray through. We're going to miss. As a matter of fact, there's one preacher, I forget who what his name is, he said something along the line of, um, never quit praying because right at the moment that you decide you're not going to pray for that anymore, it was the split second that you were about to receive the answer to your prayer. And you missed. All right. So anyway, he goes on to say, there is a limit to the doctrine of the prayer of faith which is, like I said, a different way of saying you can have all the faith of all the mustard seeds, faith to move mountains, but there are limits to what God is going to do in certain circumstances. And he goes on to expand on it. He says, we are not to expect that God will give us everything we choose to ask for. Dun, dun, dun. But wait, my Bible says... <laughs> don't we all I mean I have scriptures in my pocket that like promise me God's going to answer my prayers and stuff and it's like nope sometimes the answer is no no meathead but you keep on praying because this, this, this writing is anointing it's anointed it says we are not to expect that God will give us everything that we ask for we know that we sometimes ask and do not receive because we ask amiss. He's quoting, he's basically referring to the scripture in the book of James where it says, you ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss. You ask out of your own lust. In other words, you're interested in your own personal 
interest, not in godly things. God is not interested in ungodly things. Now, if it has to do with your life changing in a positive way that will ultimately lead to you being a better servant of God, less hindered, less beaten, less bloody, less whatever, that's a good thing. So if the net end result of your prayer is a godly result, then that's fair game. That's that God is going to answer you, but you got to stick with it. And right about the time when you figure the answer is no is when you stop praying for it and you just missed your answer. <clears throat> so you never stop. So a lot of people I know, and I'm constantly throwing out fleeces over my job, people are thinking to themselves, Jim, Jiminy Crickets, is this guy ever going to quit? Why does he always, you know, he never shuts up about one you know, prayer for his job? It's because I know how prayer works. And I've benefited by it a lot in miraculous ways. When you do understand it, that's why it's so critical that we embrace 1 Samuel 12:23. Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord and cease to pray for you. I have felt over the, in, during this sickness, there were times when I was huddled under the blanket in my prayer chair, 4.30 a.m. in the morning, and boy, the last thing I wanted to do was pray. Because I was miserable. But I knew there were people on my prayer list that for years, in some cases, or in some cases it was only a year, some cases it was a couple of years, sometimes it's three, four years, they're going through really bad things. Sometimes it's health-related, sometimes it's family, whatever. And I thought to myself, I am not going to not pray for them. I just can't imagine... You know, if I, if somebody tells me they're going to pray for me, one of the things that I think is we have to be very careful about is saying things like prayers your way or, you know, the casual little niceties where we say prayers your way, sending prayers your way, sending prayers your way. Be careful of those words because if you're not really, truly praying, for that individual, then you are a liar, and liars get cast into the lake of fire. I warn people all the time about this. If somebody asks me to pray, and I say I'm, and, and I and I respond back to them, I, I will pray. I stop, drop, and pray. It's like you know that thing you do when 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 you're they teach you to do to you know because of a fire and your clothes are on fire. Stop, drop, and roll, and get the fire out. Okay. Well, I stop, drop, and pray on the spot. Fervently. There's no mamby-pamby, wimpy-pimpy, you know, oh, dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I need to get this over with because I'm busy. No. I am fervently praying for that individual. There's nothing that ought to make you feel more guilty than someone emailing you or texting you and saying, thank you for praying for my son, Frankie. He finally came out of the ICU. And there you are looking like a big 
Dorcasaurus remembering that person asking you to pray for their son and you forgetting to pray for him. And there you are getting thanked. That's actually happened to me. Let me tell you, stop, drop, and pray now. Don't wait. There's people out there, to the, to the person who's going through the horrible divorce, their situation is as bad as it can possibly be for them. You might look at your situation and think to yourself, I would happily trade you my situation for your situation in a snap. It's irrelevant. That person's going through hell on earth right now. They need your prayer. It's irrelevant what you think about what they're going through. It doesn't matter that you've been through 15 divorces and you wonder why they're upset. It doesn't matter. You, we have to understand that, that whatever that individual is going through is traumatizing to them. They, are, they need your prayer. Praise God. And, it, and it's not once. That's one of the hardest things for me to do is sometimes I know some people, you know, groups of people need lot, a lot of prayer over a lot, you know, years. And I have to, and so then part of my prayers is I have to say, dear Heavenly Father, please, Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus, help me, help me bring this person's uh, uh, name to my heart. Bring their child's name to my heart. Help me to remember because I had a big prayer list, and I don't ever stop. I'm still praying for people that asked me to pray for them 12 years ago. Because I, I don't even care if they have a praise report. It's irrelevant to me. They ask me to pray, I'm going to pray until I go home. Um, I don't believe in stopping prayer. When somebody asks for prayer, because you know what? Maybe they do have a praise report, but you know what else? If they got a praise report, they also got another freight train coming at them on track number 27. It doesn't stop with that one issue, ever. <clears throat> so anyway, it goes on to say, um, we are not to expect that God will give us everything that we choose to ask for. We know that we sometimes ask and do not receive because we ask amiss. If we ask for that which is not promised... If we run counter to the spirit which the Lord would have us cultivate, in other words, you're outside of God's will, if we ask contrary to his will, so he's just supporting what he said earlier uh, a different way, or to the decrees of his providence, in other words, what, he's, what has God said in his word, if we ask merely for the gratification of our own ease, you know, Lord, please, in the name of Jesus, can I have a new sofa? This one's a little stiff, and one of the springs keeps jagging my left hiney. You know, and whatever, I'm trying to be funny, but I'm just making a point. You don't pray for stuff like that. I mean, if you do, you're probably, I can pretty, you can believe with some great assurance that <laughs> your, your petition's pretty far down on the stack. Sometimes even when I'm praying for something that I know is completely righteous, I feel guilty because I think to myself all of the hell that other people are going through across the world. And I think to myself, 
You know, to me, this is really, really important. But what about all those little children that are getting bombed and maimed in Mariupol right now by the Nazis? Um, it goes on to say, he, he, he says, if we ask merely for our own gratification and ease and without an eye to God's glory, we must not expect that we will receive. Wow. And by the way, that aligns beautifully with James, the brother of Jesus, um, the earthly brother of Jesus, um, is, you know, saying that you, you ask amiss because, it, you know, you ask from your own lust, your own personal interests. Yet, he goes on to say, yet when we ask in faith, not doubting, if we receive not the precise thing that we've asked for, we shall receive an equivalent. And even more than an equivalent. As one remarks, if the Lord does not pay in silver, he will pay in gold. And if he does not pay in gold, he will pay in diamonds. If he does not give you precisely what you ask for, he will give you that which is tantamount or equal to it, and that which you, that you will greatly rejoice to receive instead of what you asked for. Be then, dear reader, much in prayer, much in prayer, much in prayer, never giving up, and make this evening a season of earnest intercession, but take heed what you ask for. That is an amazing story, testimony, and learning lesson for all of us. Because I'm living testimony that that's true. Now, I'm not talking about me getting depressed and asking the Lord if I can come home. Please let me come home morally or whatever. I mean, I, I sometimes I still pray that. I have no guilt whatsoever asking God to let me come home early. Let me, I don't even know what early means. If I'm destined to die in 15 minutes from now, then it's not very early, is it? But I don't know what my destiny is. And sometimes I'm just thinking to myself, well, you know... You know, you get this notion in your head sometimes when you're doing Bible studies and you're, you're going through hard times and you've done a lot for the Lord over 20 years of time and, you know, you've raised a house full of kids and brought them all to church, introduced and they gave their lives to Jesus and you've done a wonderful job as a, as a, um, a Christ-filled family person, which is wonderful to the Lord. The Lord loves that. And, you know, you just feel like – now, of course, if you have kids, you know, you, it would be a selfish thing. And, I, yes, I have my daughter, but she's very – she's very married. My daughter is what Cat Stevens wrote. It, wasn't it Cat Stevens? The cat's in the cradle and the silver spoon. I think it was somebody else. You know, little boy blue and man in the moon. When you coming home, son, I don't know when. But we'll get together then, Dad. That's my daughter. <laughs> okay? That's my daughter. So, you know, and I think to myself, I guess it's a selfish way to think that she really wouldn't miss me all that much. But then, you know, nobody ever knows what they have until they don't have it anymore, right? 
So, but I'd be happy because I'd be with Jesus. I'd be in heaven. That would be amazing. I wouldn't have to deal with any of this stuff, and neither would you. So in a way, it's kind of a cool thing to pray for in the sense that, you know, why wouldn't you want to go to heaven? So I don't know. But I did want to share this in regard to prayer in general with you because I can tell you, how long have I been praying about, how long have I been testifying, not just on this program, but all of the different programs at different times? about the trouble that I'm having at work. Has it been two years, three years, four years? How long has it been? Let's just play a game of pretend. Let's pretend it's been four years because that's around about the time the big, ugly, nasty company that works for the Satanists took over. Now, four years intermittently, not every single show, maybe once every five or six shows, I would throw out a fleece for prayer because that's how frequently things would get really, really bad. Nights of sleep lost, literally pitching to and fro in my bed, sweating on, you know, because of the stress. Imagine it was four years in time. Let's just play a game of pretend. And over that four years of time, let's pretend that I threw out a half a dozen fleeces for prayer. We'll even round it up to eight or ten, okay, over the last four years because of the magnitude of the problem that I was going through at work and the danger that I was facing in the sense that it would wipe out the radio show and literally throw me into a position of having, you know, essentially homelessness. Now, you might say, well, you can sell your house and not be homeless, but, and that's true, that's true, but you're still going to have to pay a mortgage wherever you end up going. You know, you can't downgrade so far that you still don't have money to pay. There's always going to be someone holding their hand out at you. And what you end up doing is when you downgrade, you downgrade and become more vulnerable. Like, So if I sold my house, put a bunch of money in the bank, and went into a trailer, I would be in a park. I'd be under all kinds of freaky rules. The trailer would be, be broken in disarray. The, you know, the, it, I know these things. I have friends that have done this. I have people that I have helped out and brought into my own home who have gone through multiple trailers and multiple hell. And, and I know exactly what ends up happening every single time. It sounds great on paper, but in reality, it's just another version of hell on earth. So there just isn't an easy answer. No matter what, there isn't. Unless you're one of those people who's blessed and has everything totally paid for. And even then, you know, if you, you can, you can run out, you know, you can easily run out of your, um, uh, whatever you've saved for retirement. I just saw an article. Somebody had put an article. I have $113,000 in the bank and I'm getting ready to retire. I wonder if I need some financial advice. And I thought to myself, 113,000, <laughs> you're not going to last six months. 
Oh, well, anyway, praise God. People just don't understand money. And I'm raising my hand. Thank you very much. Hallelujah. I, 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 it would take me to to relearn to, to use Quicken again and actually balance my own checkbook and set up a budget. It would take me at least eight months. <coughs> praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Anyway, on that note, we're about to get into more of the prayers. Praise Jesus. But I did want to share with you that fabulous testimony in regard to prayer because it's so multifaceted. It's not just about God. It's about sticking to your prayers, not giving up. And eventually, if you don't give up, getting rewarded in such a fashion that you end up with something better than what you were originally asked for. And recognizing that you, by giving up, you have probably cheated yourself out because of your own weaknesses. You've cheated in disobedience from the Scripture because the Scripture tells us never to stop praying. You know, Luke 18 is dedicated to that. And that's just one of many places. So the the when you look at the the sum total, the grand message, the entire message and all the different parts of the message, the very fact that no matter how much you know faith that you have, faith to move mountains, mustard seeds, warehouses full of mustard seeds, and still and then the answer can still be no. That's the that's the other thing that really throws a person who's praying for something, and they believe and they know in their heart that they're praying for all of the right reasons, and it's a godly. It's for you know it's all the right reasons, but we just don't know the whole story. We don't know what's going to happen by virtue of God saying no. If God says no to something. Even though your heart is godly, your heart is righteous, your heart is pure, you love the Lord, you pray for others, everything about you is as pure as pure can be. You are the quintessential essence of Titus 1 verse 15, to the pure all things are pure. But you don't know what will end up happening to you because God said no. God knows that answer. Naturally, after four years of me throwing out fleeces about my job and the stress and the reorganizations and the threat to losing my house and all the other stuff that comes along with it, naturally my inclination would be this must be God and God is giving me a new job in the nick of time. Why wouldn't I believe that? Because I'm a human. But that's why I know better. I thank Jesus that I know my scripture well enough to beg God, the scripture calls it besiege, for his will to be done. Even if that means I'm going to end up flying a whole bunch of more, I'm going to, you know, all the things that I don't want to do and I think are, you know, could risk the radio show. It doesn't matter. God knows the answer. God knows the answer. God knows the answer. And I want what he knows. I want what he knows. We should all want 
what God wants for us, because if we knew what he knew, we would know why he's saying no. And then we would be like, yes, hallelujah, because we would realize what the ultimate outcome would become. But we're so busy focusing on the issue at hand for good reason. But always remember your will, Father, and mean it from the bottom of your heart no matter how bad things are. Because God loves you, even though he whips out the paddle once in a while. God loves you, and he is determined to bless you. And you may have to go on a journey before you deserve that blessing. But the net end result, even when he says no, just like it says here in Charles Spurgeon's uh, devotional, where he says, as one remarks, if the Lord does not pay in silver, he will pay in gold. If he does not pay in gold, he will pay in diamonds. The problem is, we can't see the diamonds. That's why we have to trust him even when the circumstances are so awful. We have to, there's nothing wrong and everything right with throwing out fleece after fleece after fleece. That is what brothers and sisters are for. That's why Jesus said, they, this is how they will know that you are my disciples, because of how much you love one another. If you love somebody, it is a privilege to be asked to pray. You are standing on holy ground the moment that someone asks you to pray for them. That is a gift from God. Because your praying for those other people is what pleases God the most. Because it is the power of prayer it is, like I say, on, like when I read that uh, Wesley L. Duell excerpt from the book Mighty Prevailing Prayer, it is the highest, the holiest, and the mightiest effort of which a child of God is capable. And God, it blesses him. It, it is who we are called to be. It is what it is the most important thing in all the universes to our Heavenly Father. And it is the least regarded amidst the church. And that's a travesty. Praise God. So I, for one, never go back to, you know, if somebody, if I'm praying for somebody and, you know, say they're going through a hard time with their spouse or there's an addiction problem in the family or whatever the case is and I'm praying for them, what I never, 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 never do is I never say, how is so-and-so's addiction problem? I just keep on praying. I might say, how do you feel? How are things going? Is everything okay? But I'm not looking to get out of praying for that individual at all. 
I'm not looking for a praise report at all because I have no intention of stopping praying for that individual, no matter what, because that person can relapse and go back into the addiction. I will never stop. None of us ever should. And we should all feel fantastically anointed, blessed, and full of joy to have been the one person out of eight billion God led you to you to pray for them. I don't need the praise report because I'm never going to stop praying. Now, if I get a voluntary praise report, I am going to rejoice with that person as they rejoice. But I will always tell them, we don't stop praying. Ever. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. And on that note... (laughs) <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Let's go ahead and move on with the uh, the rest of the prayer vigil. Hallelujah. Here we go. Thank you. 
God. Holy Lord Jesus, please cleanse and totally purify our hearts, our soul, our spirit, our mind, our flesh, and our record-keeping books in heaven and robe and gown in heaven with your precious blood and your holy fire. Dear Heavenly Father, we confess we are sinners. We are seeped in sin. We are surrounded by sin. As King David said, my sin is always before me, and in sin my mother's conceived me. My mother mother conceived me. Father, whatever outburst of anger, whatever frustration that entered our heart, whatever lack of humility that we should have had but didn't have or, or didn't exhibit, whatever feeling that shot through us of frustration, whatever lack of self-control that we had at any given moment throughout the day, whatever thing, whatever event, whatever emotion, whatever thought that was not in utter and absolute harmony with your will and your divine and holy righteousness and presence. Father, we confess that we are full of error, We are utterly unworthy. And if it was not for the sacrifice and blood of you, Lord Jesus, we would have no hope at all. Father, we confess of our sins before you. We confess of the sins that we've committed decades ago. We confess of every time that we were walking outside of your will. We confess, Father God, for that is who we are. As we struggle in our lives to try to do better each day, we thank you for your continuous mercy, for forgiving us, for being faithful and just, and forgiving us of our sins and cleansing us of all unrighteousness, 1 John 1, 9. We thank you, Father, for helping us to understand that presumptuous sin actually exists and what it means to have a truly contrite spirit and that you, Father, save such who has a contrite spirit. Father, we praise you for your mercy. We thank you for your continuous forgiveness for us. We thank you for always re-strengthening us, even if it takes months, even if it takes only weeks, but whatever it is we're going through, we praise you for eventually bringing us back to a place where we're able to give you all the glory, all the worship, through the strength, through the restoration of our spirit. We praise you for helping us to be able to serve you better in the days that we must still continue to tarry here on this planet. We ask you also, Father, for more opportunities to be able to stand on that holy ground and pray for more people. Never mind how much you reward those who pray in heaven. 
it's irrelevant because with our tr- with the true love of Jesus overflowing our cups, how can we not desire? How can we not be blessed to be asked to pray for someone else? How can we not be blessed to be in the presence of trust, peace, knowing invariably that if you're not going to pay in gold, silver, it'll be diamond. Thank you for forgiving us always, Father. Help us to see when we're stepping outside of a walk that is as close to perfection through the blood of Jesus Christ as possible so that we're able to make the adjustments and seek your forgiveness in a continuous cycle of sanctification that grows and that grows us up in you so that we become more like our king we praise your name and thank you we clear the air now principalities, powers, strongholds, spiritual host of wickedness and rulers of darkness in high places. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus, we come against you. We declare fire of God to launch down from the glory pillar and to burn you into screaming agony, making a public spectacle of you in accordance with Colossians 2.15, making an example of you amidst the other demons of darkness and second-order demons that witness the fire of God burning you into agony. In Jesus' name, we command you, get out! Hallelujah. Unclean spirits, deaf and dumb spirits, anything that would attempt to come against us, any worker of Satan, live or dead human spirit, member of a witch coven, anything that cannot call Jesus Christ its Lord and Savior. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, at the moment that you set your wills against us, we decree the fire of God to launch down from the glory pillar and to burn you in the screaming agony. We declare angels, powerful angels, Father God, to descend upon them, to strike them deaf, blind, and dumb, place them under arrest, and cast them into the pit. We decree the holy fire of God to weld that pit shut. We declare the holy fire of God to permeate the pit and to burn them in the screaming and perpetual agony in the name of Jesus, making an example of them before the demons that would attempt to come against us or our loved ones in the future in Jesus' name. And we plead, Lord Jesus, your blood to seal that pit that they should never be allowed to come against us again. We exercise the rule of the victor over every demonic region that would set their wills against us. We exercise the rule of the victor, the Lord Jesus Christ, and his power and glory against all those demonic regions that have permitted these spirits in or through their territory. We command in the mighty name of Jesus Christ that they be immediately cut off from ever receiving power from the kingdom of darkness again. We require the immediate disbursement of all of their funds from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. We require the immediate destruction of all of their books and artifacts of sorcery. We declare the fire of God to vaporize all earthly and spiritual weapons and all fiery darts launched against us in the name of Jesus. We require the immediate reversal of all their schemes, the cancellation of all of their assignments, the tearing up of all of their contracts and agreements in the name of Jesus. Penalties applied. We cast them into the pit and declare the fire of God to weld it shut and to permeate the pit and to burn the making them an example before all of the evil that exists in the spiritual realm to come against us. Any entity that attempts even for a moment 
to set their wills against us or our loved ones. We declare fire swords of cherubim to shoot down from the heavens and to cut you into screaming agony. We declare fire of God to launch down and to burn you into perpetuity in the name of Jesus. So be it. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Dear Heavenly Father, at this time I like to use holy oil. In the name of the Father, the Son, I think get enough of my hand here. Hold on. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Sometimes I wonder if I have a big old dab of shiny oil on my forehead when I'm doing a Zoom call at work. Because <laughs> I never take it off, you know, and I just wonder. Praise God. Father, Father. We consecrate ourselves into your complete ownership, Lord Jesus, into your hands. Do with us what you will. Whatever you may do, we thank you. We are ready for all. We accept all. Let only your will be done in us and all of us. We wish no more than this, Father. Into your hands we commit our soul. Into your hands we commit our spirit. We do it with all the love of our heart, for we love you, Father. We do love you, Father. We love you, Jesus. We want to be just like you. We want to be in your presence. We want to be obedient. We want to be harmonious with all those things of your will. We want to understand what it is that you want us to do. We want to walk in your desire. We surrender ourselves into your hands without reserve, with boundless confidence, for you are our Abba, Father, our dear Father. That's what that means, Abba, dear Father. It's a term of endearment. We renounce all things spoken of in the darkness against us or our loved ones. And we decree the fire of God to burn the entities that attempted to come against them in agony. We declare the abundant grace of God, the living water, the crystal river to flow over all of us and our loved ones to purify us continuously in the flow. We plead your blood on us, Jesus, because without that purity, we are nothing. We declare and decree that no weapons raised against us earthly or spiritual shall exist, for they shall be immediately vaporized at the very moment that the, that the entity that would attempt to use them against us would set their wills against us. We rebuke and admonish and turn our backs, refuse and, re, and, and, and decree the fire of God to burn any demon of darkness and worker of Satan of the evil one, at the very moment that they even attempt to come against us or anything that may influence our lives or hinder our ability to serve God in peace. We cancel all demonic assignments, the authority of Jesus Christ in Jesus' name. We break all yokes of bondage, all curses placed against us. We declare the holy fire of God, a thorny hedge of protection to swirl around about us in the midst of a whirlwind of the Holy Spirit that is strong as a hurricane, punching through the spiritual realm into the throne room of God. We declare the holy fire of God to wrap itself around our prayers, wrap itself around our prayers, and an open heaven to follow us all throughout the night and through the rest of next week in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Lord, you have searched me 
And in 
God. And now, oh, well, look at there. <laughs> I forgot to set out my uh, chalice and stuff for communion. But anyway, let's enter into communion. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Here we go.
We long for your coming. We imagine the feast, the Lord and his bride. When our waiting has ceased. chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of the marvelous light, out of the darkness and into his marvelous light, who were once not a people, but are now the people of God who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, and long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must also do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you were also called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace 
in your hearts to the Lord. And finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. He, Jesus, went a little further and he fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Matthew 26, 39. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by the angels, preached amongst the Gentiles, and believed upon in the world, received up into glory. 1 Timothy 3:16. We pray for purification, based upon Psalm 51, 1 through 14. Father, we pray that you will have mercy on us. According to your loving kindness and according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out our transgressions. Wash us thoroughly from our iniquity and cleanse us from our sin. Father, we acknowledge our transgressions and our sin is always before us. Against you and you only we have sinned and done this evil in your sight. Father, behold, we were brought forth in iniquity and in sin our mothers conceived us. Father, you desire truth in the inward parts. And in the hidden part, you will make us to know your wisdom. Purge us with hyssop and we shall be clean. Wash us and we shall be whiter than snow. Father, make us hear joy and gladness that the bones you've broken may rejoice and hide your face from our sins blot out all of our iniquity. Create in us a clean heart, Father. Renew a steadfast spirit in us. Do not cast us away from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from us. Let us not grieve the Holy Spirit, Father. Anoint us so that we can endure our challenges and not respond in ways that are displeasing to your purity. Restore to us, Father, the joy of our salvation, yours that you have given us, and uphold us by your generous spirit. And then we will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will be converted to you. most importantly, Father, deliver us from the guilt of all remembrance of prior sin. 
God of our salvation. And then our tongues will sing aloud of your incredible love and righteousness. We praise your name. The Lord's Supper, Holy Communion. For I receive from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Ani, Lodoti, Lodoti Lee. I am my beloved's, and my beloved is mine.
shepherd guiding his herd, giving shelter to the soul. Cause I know that your word holds power to grow.
We are the sons of God. We are the masters of the devil. And we are the servants and foot washers of mankind. Ezekiel 20-30, So I sought for a man amongst them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land, that I should not destroy it. But I found no one. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send who will go for us? And then we said, Father, here we are, send us. Based on Isaiah 6, 8. Isaiah 43, 25. I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. Put me in remembrance, and let us contend together. State your case, that you may be acquitted. John fourteen twelve through 14 Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these will he do, because I go unto my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. Ephesians 3.20 Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him, be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. According to the power that works in us. This whole verse is about the power that works in us. See, most people that would read it would be like, oh, that's all about Jesus. <laughs> no, it's actually not. It's using Jesus. It's holding Jesus up as an example of the power that works in us. Praise God. First John 3, 8. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Just like we are here to do. Praise God. Colossians 2.15 Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it, the cross. This is one that I like to use and weave into my prayers, because remember, we, um, the, the, uh, the sword of the Spirit is the um, official offensive weapon of our armor. Now, well, anyway, so I could go into a big, big, long diatribe about all of that. But the key is that Jesus is the Word. And the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing under the division of soul and spirit, bone and marrow. It is the, you know, the discerner of thoughts and intents of the heart. That, when you put that all together and you understand the sword of the Spirit is the Word – then by using the word, you're actually using the sword 
of the armor of God in an, uh, in a, as an offensive weapon against the demons of dark, <coughs> which of course is, is a very powerful thing to do, very powerful, which is why Jesus fought back uh, with Satan by quoting scripture and outdoing him. Praise God. Intensified prevailing prayer. Intensified prevailing prayer is God's ordained law and method for implementing his redemptive plan in this age until Jesus returns. It is the highest, the holiest, and the mightiest effort of which a child of God is capable. It's God's chosen way to bring heaven's power, heaven's resources, and heaven's angels into action upon the earth. Charles Spurgeon says, he who knows how to overcome with God in prayer has heaven and earth at his disposal. Intensified prayer is clothed with the might of God himself. Written by author Wesley L. Dewell, that's D-U-E-W-E-L, and the name of the book is Mighty Prevailing Prayer. James 5.16b says, The effective fervent prayers of a righteous man avails much. Now, the, ter- the two words, effective and fervent, are actually derived from one Greek word. But fervent still, nevertheless, it has the meaning of having or displaying a passionate intensity. Impassioned, passionate, intense, vehement, ardent, sincere, fervid, and heartfelt. By the way, this aligns with, beautifully, actually, with... Um, where um, our Heavenly Father said to King Hezekiah after he was given his uh, death sentence, essentially, um, he, our Father said to King Hezekiah, I have seen your tears, and I will answer you in Second Kings 20, verse 5. And then there's the story about uh, the testimony about um, the Salvation Army and uh, General Booth, which is an amazing testimony. That also supports it as well. Two of the ladies that were working for one of his largest operations in the United Kingdom were discouraged because they weren't saving enough souls. And he sent them a telegram, and it had two words in it. Try tears. And within a couple of weeks, the place was overflowing. It's it's so critical. Well, our heart has to be into our prayers. But I, I'll just leave it at that. Praise God. We cast out demons. Mark sixteen seventeen to eighteen. And these signs will follow those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Notice all of the wills. They will, they will, they will, they will, they will. Right after it says, these signs will follow those who believe. I wonder what that means for those who don't do any of these things. Does it mean they don't believe? Hmm. Oh, no. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 6. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds and casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ.
That's the most awesome anti-gun scripture in the entire universe. <laughs> Praise God. Ephesians 6, 10 through 13. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness and in high, or some say heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, stand. Praise God. Luke Luke 10, verse 19. Jesus said to the 70 after they returned with their minds blown because of the way that even the demons responded to the name of Jesus. They were so surprised. And Jesus looked at them and said, Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Boy, if we lived our lives like that. Oh, I'm worried. I'm afraid. Praise God. we got to get past that. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Mark 9.25, when Jesus saw the people come running together, critical, critical clause, critical clause. No one ever teaches about that. When Jesus saw the people come running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to a deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. When Jesus saw the people come running together, why do you suppose he waited for the people come, to come running together? Well, it says in the scripture in John 14, 13, 12, 13, and 14, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So Jesus waited until the people came running together. Then he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to him, deaf and dumb spirit, I command you to come out of him and enter him no more. That's why when I was telling people that didn't have a choice about the vaccination in certain countries like Australia, which was just absolutely insane, throwing people in the camps and everything else, um, I told them, I said, when you lay your hands on that needle, you command out loud. You make a public spectacle. You praise. You When you glorify God with your overt faith, that's when miracles happen. Matthew twelve twenty eight to 30. But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, Jesus said, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or how can one enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first finds the strong man? And then he will plunder his house. So, our lesson here is that when we were cast when we're casting demons out of people, we are we got to remember to cast out the strong man demon and then the subordinate demons. Sometimes I forget and then I add it in later. Doesn't matter. Still works. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. And then Matthew 12, 43 to 45, when an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places seeking rest and finds none. And then he says, I will return to my house from which I came. But when he comes and finds it empty, swept and put in order, I'm sorry, then he comes and finds it empty, swept and put in order. And then, verse 45, he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than themselves, and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of the man is worse than the first. So shall it be with this wicked generation because they failed to go and sin no more lest a worse thing come upon you remember 
Praise God. John fourteen twelve to 13. And again, we've read this already a couple of times. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these will he do, because I go unto my Father. See, this is so profound. 2,000 plus years have gone by. Think about that. Has anybody done anything greater than Jesus yet? The answer is no. Okay? So when's this all supposed to break loose? I say now. I'm not waiting for nothing. Practice makes perfect. Praise Jesus. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. And now we pray for the lands of the world. And real quick, since we have a little bit of extra time, 25 minutes left, and we got plenty of time to, to, to cover a lot of territory, remember that we are standing in the gap before God on behalf of the land. Now, granted, we're not worried about the land being destroyed like Sodom and Gomorrah, so that part of the scripture isn't directly relevant. But what is real relevant is that as intercessory prayer warriors using spiritual warfare tactics, we are standing in the gap between God at the throne room and the people of the land. Now, in this case, the land could it could be, you know, Hummelstown, Pennsylvania. It could be Hershey, Pennsylvania. It could be Pittsburgh, whatever. It, it could be America. It could be Paraguay. It could be Mauritius. It could be all of Africa. It, it's, it's, it's irrelevant. It, 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 you know, the, my breaking up the, the world into major continental chunks, okay, it just makes it a little bit more organized for me to keep track of so that I'm able to move around the world in my prayer on different days. So I'll pray for Oceania, which is which is basically Australia, New Zealand, the Solomon Islands, Papua Al New Guinea, all of Indonesia, Malaysia, Jakarta, uh, Singapore, um, you know, Tasmania, which is just, you know, an island nation kind of south of uh, Australia. I guess it's part of Australia. Australia, I'm not really sure, but it also includes the South Pacific Islands, but it's that big area of Archipelago Island nations, and of course Australia, which is a big chunk of land. But anyway, that's Oceania, and then you've got Asia, which you know pretty much goes from the far western, no sorry, far eastern border, okay, of the Ukraine, all the way over to the Philippines. Okay, so from, you know, the eastern border of the Ukraine, all the way down to Laos, Cambodia, Vietnam and Thailand, all the way up to Russia, down into China, North and South Korea, all the way over to the Philippines and Taiwan. That's all Asia. And there's the, and that includes India and Pakistan. So you got like two billion people there in that land. In that land, okay. Similarly, you've got the Middle East, um, and so what I like to do is combine the Middle East with Europe because it allows me to clump those two major portions of the world together, and then Africa as a separate continent group of nations, and then South America together with Africa. I like to clump those two together. Just get, so then the Korean, uh, I'm sorry, the Caribbean, Central America, and the Americas, which is North America, essentially, uh, I'm referring to it in this particular case, which includes Mexico, America, Canada, Alaska, Hawaii. Um, I include Guam. I'm sorry, not Guam, uh, Bermuda, even though it's not technically part of North America, although it ought to be. 
you know, from a tectonic plate standpoint, but whatever. Okay, so anyway, that's why I do that. I'm just sharing with you why, because a lot of people probably wonder why. And I, I, I like to fill in the blanks for the why part, because when you understand why you're praying the way that you're praying and you understand what scriptures back, that's why I read these scriptures, not, not every single time, but, but it's why I read these scriptures almost every single time. It's important for us to understand how to pray and why we're praying it. And so when I go through, when I start out and I say, you know, when I start with the part where I say, um, you know, um, uh, you know, we are the sons of God, the masters of the devil and the servants of mankind, those scriptures after that, all the way down to where we start praying for the land, we cast out the demons, you know, uh, you know, the weapons of our warfare, uh, you know, greater things than these will we do, um, you know, uh, second, you know, uh, Colossians 2.15, you know, uh, where, you know, we make a, make a public spectacle of, of, of the demons by, you know, uh, spiritual warfare tactics against them, etc., having disarmed principalities and powers. Jesus made a public spectacle of them on the cross. Well, who are we? Jesus. We are Jesus. It's no longer we who lives, but Jesus Christ who lives in us. That's it. So what do we do? Well, we do what Jesus did, First John 3, 8 through 9. For this purpose, the Son of God has manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Well, what do we do now? We destroy the works of the devil. How do we do that? We do that with intensified prevailing prayer. We do it with passion, fervency. We do it with emotions. We don't do it with, like, mamby-pamby, wimpy sitting in a corner. Please, Jesus, please, Jesus, please, Jesus, because that is not how it's done. All right, so that's out of the way. And then the next thing, I don't want to completely run out of time, but the next thing, I think we'll pray for Europe because it has the Ukraine in it, and that need, they need a lot of prayer right now. Everybody needs a lot of prayer right now, but the Ukraine really needs a lot of prayer. Um, but anyway, so so just just to, to refresh people's memory and and help those who may be new or just for the first time hearing this prayer vigil type of a program, um, the reason, so over years of time, the Lord imparts upon a person who seeks him more and more information, but it has to be built upon. You have to have this foundation, and when you understand this, then God will give you a little bit more, and then God will give you a little bit more, and then I'll give you a little bit more. And you can keep on building upon it, and you learn, and as you learn things, you change your tactics, you make adjustments, you use different scriptures, and then you come up with, you know, it's potentially possible, and now I'm always open to something that God wants to show me, and I'm always ready and willing and looking for the opportunity to make change if necessary, if I learn something new. But basically, we start out by, we know that the strongest, most powerful words ever uttered in the history of all the universes were, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I'm not going to go into the testimonies of Henry Groover. I'm not going to go into all, uh, it's having disarmed principalities and powers, making a public spectacle of them. Let me tell you something, folks. Those are the most powerful. They will save your life. They will save your family. They will prevent your family from getting harmed. Father, forgive them, 
for they know not what they do, because we have the power through Jesus Christ to do that. That is why Zechariah in chapter 1, verse 6, and Daniel in 9.24 said, Father, I confess of the sins of the peoples of the lands of Israel. What right does Daniel or Nehemiah have to confess of the sins of anybody else except their own sins? If you go to churchianity today, they will tell you that you can't do that. They are wrong. So it, we have to start out by getting to, as a royal priest... What do royal priests do? They sacrifice animals. They, they, they you know, the Levit- Levitical priesthood. The, it, there would be a blood sacrifice for the sins of the people. That's what royal priests do. That's who we are. We are a royal priesthood. We are a holy nation, as own special people. Get it? We, that's who we are. So we're standing in a gap on behalf of the land as a royal priesthood, and we are doing exactly what the Bible talks about, tells us to do. We start out by asking God to forgive. Father, forgive the peoples of the lands of the Ukraine. Father, forgive the peoples of the lands of France. Father, forgive the peoples of the lands of Moldova. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Once God has forgiven them, now the demons of darkness do not have a legal right. Courts of heaven. Courts of heaven, think courts of heaven. Their legal right has been removed. They can no longer stay inside the person or the people or the people of the land. You've disarmed them because you've taken away their legal right to stay there. Their legal right is given to them by virtue of sin, by virtue of uh, generational and bloodline curses, uh, by virtue of, of, of all the things that we absolve them of as a royal priesthood. We're doing it for them as a royal priesthood so that the demons have no legal right to stay inside them. Once we get rid of the demons, once we disable them, we can call down angels, we can we can we can pray that you know and and declare in the name of Jesus for divine protection, holy fire, a thorny hedge of protection around them so that nothing unclean can re-enter the clean swept house. That's why I read that scripture all the time. Uh, uh you know, uh Matthew 12:43 to 45. Okay? So that we want to call down the holy fire, we want to call down the, the, the thorny hedge of protection and we want a whirlwind of the holy spirit to sustain it so the demons cannot re-enter the clean swept house because we know that the people that we're praying for in the ukraine are going to continue to sin so we have got to call down divine protection around them to buy time to buy some time that's what we're doing we're buying time all right, and then we decree in the name of the Lord Jesus, the crystal river, the living water, the abundant grace of God to flow into their heart, to fertilize the soil of their hearts. They need, there's all kinds of scriptures and parables about the, you know, the, the, the way that the power of the Lord Jesus Christ and the word of God might fall on a person, and if, and if, and if their soil isn't, you know, gr- you know, properly grounded or whatnot, you know, the, the seeds will wash away, et cetera, et cetera. 
better. What we're doing is we are declaring through the power and the authority of this, as a royal priesthood that the Crystal River will fertilize, the Crystal River, the living water, will fertilize that soil, spiritual soil, in their heart so that they will be able to receive. So they'll be able to receive the blessing of the angels that we're calling down through the authority of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to show up into their dreams and visions. Because in the midst of their dreams and visions, in accordance with Job 33, um, 14 and 15, it says, God speaks once, yea, twice, but man perceiveth it not. In a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep sleep falls upon man... All right. See, this is all this is all the sword of the spirit. This is all the word of God. And we put it all together into one big attack plan. And that's what we're going to do right now for Europe. Dear Heavenly Father, in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus, we praise you. We praise you because greater things than these will we do because our King Jesus has gone unto you. And boy, do we wish we were there with you now. Thank you, Father. Dear Heavenly Father, we hold up before you a golden cup of forgiveness. It's symbolic, Father. We hold it up before you and we ask you, please, Father, forgive the peoples of the lands of Europe. From all the way from the western sides of Ireland to the eastern sides of the east of, of, of the Donbass in, in the Ukraine, from the northern sides of Norway to the southern sides of Cyprus, and all lands in between all across Europe. Father, we pray in Jesus' name, forgive them, Father. For they know not what they do. Forgive them, Father. For Father is a royal priesthood, as Nehemiah did, as Daniel did. We confess of their sins before thee, Father. We confess of the sins of their first fathers and their fathers' fathers until before there was time. We break all yokes of bondage. We renounce all things spoken of in the darkness against them. We break all generational and bloodline curses throughout every branch of their family trees until before there was time. They are broken in Jesus' name and have no power over them at all. We part the spiritual realm as the Red Sea above the lands of Europe now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for safe passage for heaven's angels, heaven's resources, and heaven's power to move unhindered and freely into the lands of Europe in Jesus' name. Principalities, powers, and strongholds, spiritual host of wickedness and rulers of darkness in high places above the lands of Europe, we come against you. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus and by the blood of the Lamb of God, we decree fire swords of cherubim to be shot down from the heavens and to cut you into pieces. We declare fire of God to launch down from the glory pillar and to burn you into screaming agony, making a public spectacle of you and an example of you amongst all the demons of darkness, scattering the darkness in all directions in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And we declare in Jesus' name, hundreds of trillions and innumerable company of angels of war to descend upon thee and to cut you into pieces and to wage war against you such as never been seen since before there was time in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Unclean spirits, deaf and dumb spirits, anything that cannot call Jesus its Lord and Savior, binding or hindering the hearts and the minds of the lost peoples across all of the lands of Europe, every single person, the good and the bad, demons of darkness, we release you now. You have no legal right to stay there. Strongmen, come forth. Subordinate spirits, come out now. 
we declare hundreds of trillions of legions of warrior angels to descend upon you, archangels to follow, to strike you deaf, blind, and dumb, place you under arrest, and cast you into the pit. We declare the fire of God to weld the pit shut. We decree the holy fire of God to permeate the pit and to burn you into screaming agony where you stand. And Lord Jesus, we plead your blood upon that pit to seal it, for only the Lamb of God can break the seals. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for this time. We praise you. Father, we declare the crystal river, the living water, your abundant grace to flow freely into their hearts, their minds, their soul, their body, their spirit, Father God, to anoint them, to fertilize the soil there, and that they shall receive the seeds of these prayers. These prayers will bear fruit, and the fruit will remain in accordance with John fifteen sixteen. in Jesus' name. And Father, we pray, please. Send down an innumerable company of angels of light and love, and Lord Jesus, your presence to flow across all of those countries, all of those towns, all of those boroughs, all of those nation states, all of the war-torn parts of those lands, Father, to touch people and dreams and visions, to give them hope, Lord God. Lord Jesus, we pray that you will raise your hand to them in visions and dreams of the night and call them by their name. Call them by their name. Introduce yourself to them. We pray, Father, in Jesus' name for angels to flow freely across all of those lands and touch people in all those countries. All Lithuania, Belgium, Father God, Denmark, the Netherlands, in Jesus' name, France, Spain, Benelux, Father, uh, Luxembourg, all of these countries, Father, Moldova, the Eastern Bloc states, in Jesus' name, Sweden, Finland, touch them all, Father, in the name of Jesus, Spain, France. Um, uh, uh, Greece, touch all the people, the children, the mothers, the fathers, the people, the unbelievers, the good people, the bad people, all of them in Jesus' name we pray, your anointing, your love, and your light, the presence of an innumerable company of angels. In Jesus' name we pray, Father, that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Hallowed and holy is your name. Thank you, Lord, for everything. For everything. In Jesus' name. God bless you all. We will see you next Friday. Lord willing, praise your name, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you all for joining us tonight. May you be blessed, anointed, tenfold anointing in the name of Jesus. Prosperity, but not in the form of money. Prosperity in the form of blessings from on high. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord our Father God. Lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. Lord, we come to you with repentant hearts. We seek you with all our might. 
Sinners at the mercy of grace Redeemed we are by your embrace Praise his holy name Praise the King of Kings When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? For you we will endure Until you come back for your bride To set her free Write our names in your book of life We are cleansed through your holy sacrifice As we lift your name on high Renew our mind, renew our soul Remove the scars from our past And deem us righteous We rebuke all deceptive lies When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? Till then we will endure. We are the branches on the living tree. When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? Till then we will endure. Until you come back for your bride to set her free. Watch us as we trim our wicks. Our lamps are full, our hearts are right. Like those five wise virgins, we will be your bride awaits. Longing for that blessed sound that will rise. The churches gather. We're praying that we're worthy, Lord, to join our family. When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? We will endure, and while we wait, we will bring forth the fruit of the light of Christ. When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? Till then we will endure Until you come back for your bride To set it free